Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I am Kaya Green. And I am Stephanie Mallet. And today, we are talking about the spy, the secret agent, who according to bartenders, orders his martinis wrong. It is James Bond. Ba-na, ba-na. Is that from that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it. I think you nailed it right out the gate. Um, and that's our show, everyone. Yay. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> and by coming, I mean listening. Yay. Um, Steph, what do you know about 007, the man himself, the legend, James Bond? This might be a little sacrile- sacrilegious um, in terms of fandoms. I know almost nothing. I never watched a James Bond movie until I was at least in my 30s. And it was a Daniel Craig one. I think I started with Casino Royale. Is that one of Daniel Mm -hmm. Craig's? That was his first one, I believe. Yeah, so I've seen a couple of them. I know so little about James Bond. Like, it's a huge gap in my nerd knowledge. Uh, I know he... Uh, is a rampant misogynist, I think. Um, He's pretty, he loves to seduce the ladies and Mm -hmm. be kind of a cad. Uh, He loves his drink. And uh, you say bartenders uh, say he orders his martinis wrong. Well, technically, that's not the way you make a martini. However you order your drink is the right way to order it. Okay, well, sure, Um, yeah. Anyways. I I like that. I support that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. If you want to drink a martini in a shoe, you could do that. You can do whatever you want. Um, but you heard it here. You heard it here. Go for it. Um, but yeah, I don't know almost anything about James Bond. Uh, what do you know about James Bond? Well, okay. I When I was growing up, my uh, family would... Uh, I had a couple of people in my family, one of my uncles, a couple of my, my cousins who were big, big, big James Bond fans. Um, so they would make the whole family watch James Bond quite a lot. Um, and so I watched a lot of it at the time, but I was probably too young to get a lot of what was going on. I have since watched a bunch of James Bond fan uh, or films, rather. Um, and so I know a little bit. I know that James Bond is uh, 007. He has a license to kill. Um, I, I believe because he's killed twice, I think. Yes, that's a, that's a thing I learned yes, recently we, we from our trivia. Yeah, um, but There's someone uh, named Q. There is someone named Q. Yeah, and someone named M. M. I believe who gives missions. Uh, and I believe is that why their name is M. I don't think so. Um, that no. seems <laughs> silly, but might be correct. I don't know. Uh, I think Q is the gadget guy, um, right. and I know gadgets are a large part of it. I know that um, every woman, mostly. Uh, is magnetically attracted to his dick. Um, (laughs) And that is kind of the extent of it. So earlier when I said I know some stuff, I lied. I know very little (laughs) stuff. Um, But uh, Steph, I think we do have someone who does know a lot of stuff. We do. Today we are joined by Andrew Wheeler, who is a comic book writer uh, whose work has appeared in The Old Guard, Stillwater, and both the Marvel and DC Pride anthologies. He's also one of the writers of the hugely popular Dungeons & Dragons Young Adventurers Guides and is co-host of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. Andrew, welcome. welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, Did we hurt your feelings with our (laughs) limited knowledge? I'm so sorry. No, no. I think, you know, any any time you discover James Bond is a great time to start falling down a wormhole of misogyny and, and <laughs> alcoholism. Oh, I love this introduction. <laughs> um, so uh, just to kick off, how would you, I mean, you're going to have to, how would you explain James Bond to someone, i.e. both of us, uh, who knows nothing about it? I mean, it's kind of the quintessential 
like action movie franchise. Like it's such a, a an enduring. I mean, it's books first, obviously. Like the Ian Fleming novels were hugely popular. Um, hugely like JFK's favorite books were were the Bond novels. Really, didn't know they that. were like bestsellers in in their day and continue to be bestsellers. And yeah, they were adapted then for the screen pretty early on in the the process of of uh, Fleming writing the books. You know, I think there were five books out when they started making them. I probably have that completely wrong. Um, <laughs> we couldn't tell you. So. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> I'm right. right. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the book started, I think, in the 50s and the movie started in the 60s. Um, so, yeah, the movies then became their own phenomenon, especially popular in the UK, of course, but they have been around so long that they have become a worldwide phenomenon. And, of course, he travels the world because he's a white colonialist Englishman. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, it, it's a hugely popular franchise before the concept of the enduring movie franchise was what we know it to be today, you know? And cool. Ian Fleming, did he base uh, some of this on his real experience? Because he really fought in the war, right? He, Yeah, he really was an intelligence agent. Yeah. Um, although I think he was mostly probably... Well, actually, who knows how much, like, field work he did. Yeah. Like, it's not the sort of thing he would have talked about. Yes. <laughs> not a good spy if no, he did. No, um, Which is one of the things they say about James Bond. Like, everyone knows his name, and that's not great. Mm. Um, yeah, he's <laughs> iconic and easily recognizable. <laughs> yeah, just what you want from a spy. Perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. So, some things are just conceits of the medium. Yeah, um, of course. So, yeah, Fleming, I think he did do, you know, he was a soldier. He did do some field stuff, um, whether he was going around killing people with... with blades in his shoes or, or trip wires or, you know, garrots. I don't know. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. Apparently, from what I understand, he did some training in in Canada, in Ontario. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah. 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 Station X, is it? Yeah, is yeah, the... that's the one. Yeah. I took a history of espionage course <laughs> in Ooh. university. James Bond did or Ian Fleming? Uh, Ian Fleming, okay. I believe. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. James Bond might just love Canada. It's true. He does that's, not. No. Like, he, he, he never comes <laughs> I hate James Bond now. <laughs> I think that he... I think twice Canada has been mentioned look, reading the books, like, or once in the movies, once in the books. Like, he, he like, crashes a plane outside Gander, which I, you know. Oh, yeah, Newfoundland. Yep. Yeah. Famous There's, now because yeah. of the musical. Yeah, um, Come From Away. Come From Away. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, I think they mention Ontario in, like, one of the, the Brosnan movies. Like. And they wouldn't be the first franchise to forget we exist. Yeah, I know. So I can't it's, hold it against them, really. Well <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's your origin story? How did you come to love this? Um, I think it was probably because of my brother who, you know, I have a brother who is six years older than me. And so, of course, anything he liked, I liked. Of course. Because he was old enough to be way cooler than me and <laughs> have grown-up friends, by which I mean like 14-year-old. <laughs> sure, yeah. As oh, mature as you get. Yeah. When you're eight, you're like, like, oh, dang. They listen to Adam Ant. That's <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, he was into Bond before I was. So it's like I didn't choose Bond. It just was there in my life. And I don't know, like, to what extent... He's like I think he's still a Bond fan as well, but like I, my my fandom no longer depends on him. Right. Well, that's good. That's <laughs> At some good. point I broke away. Is <laughs> grown to become took, independent. Took my own interest. Yeah. And, and I suspect he doesn't like regularly like mix cocktails to see what the what Bond is drinking the way I do or that sort of thing. <gasps> you know, he probably doesn't have a podcast. If he does, he hasn't mentioned. <laughs> Imagine if he had a secret podcast on James Bond. That would be very like a very competitive funny. podcast with mm. yours. Son of a. Um, what's the history behind Bond? So we talked about Ian Fleming a bit and how mm -hmm. he came up with the premise, but it's obviously grown into such a phenomenon today. 
Um, can you tell us a bit about how it became so uh, apparent in the zeitgeist? Like, what about it makes people hungry for it? I mean, I think it's escapism is, is a big part of it. And, like, back in the day, people couldn't easily travel. So um, Bond was a sort of tourist porn franchise. Like, Ooh. he would be going to different places around the world and you would be getting to see beautiful, like, hotel suites and beautiful locations. And, you know, location is a huge part of Bond. Glamour yeah. is a big part of Bond. So it's the idea of going to Monaco or going to uh, the Caribbean and, and going to a glorious ho hotel casino or uh, hanging out on a beach with a beautiful woman in a skimpy bikini, well, by modern standards of yeah. granny panties. But, um, <laughs> at the time. At the time. So scandalous. Um, <laughs> Simply cannot. <laughs> so, yeah, I, like, I think a big part of it was like it was just incredibly glamorous. Like these were quite expensive movies to make because they were jet setting. You know, a lot of stuff is filmed in Pinewood Studios in London. But if it's on location, it's on location. Like if they want to show you something beautiful, then they are going to go there. Um, oh. So, yeah, that and just I think having this... Um, dude hero who was just like super competent and super charming and like that was very easy for audiences to project themselves into that and by audiences I mean men I mean <laughs> straight men I mean white men they're the people buying the tickets so yeah, <laughs> yeah they know their audience yeah. very well yeah, yeah absolutely but does he have any weaknesses or anything like that oh a ton Oh, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> what are his weaknesses? Uh, well, women. Uh, oh, <laughs> yep. He's he's led astray by many an evil woman. Um, evil being a, a relative concept. <laughs> of, <laughs> evil like, women. <laughs> women that want to bring down the English Empire. You know, it's like... Um, <laughs> Varying degrees mm. of evilness there, I suppose. <laughs> uh, women that want to, like, get ahead in their lives yeah. and therefore take Villains. jobs. Yeah, yeah, women yeah. doing their oh, job. Yeah. Breaking yeah. the glass ceiling. <laughs> that James Bond is uh, really about. <laughs> unless you're the queen, uh, you know, don't don't bother. Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, he... Uh, oh, what was the question? Oh, his weaknesses. <laughs> weaknesses, right. Yeah, so he's, he's often led astray, um, and he's kind of semi-competent, you know? Like, he's, he, people talk about him being, like, this master spy, but actually it's like, it's whatever the story demands. Like, he'll be able to get out of trouble, but he gets into trouble all the time. He's super overconfident, and he will, you know, he's forever being told, no, don't do this assignment, you're not allowed, like, we're, we're, we'll strip you of your license to kill. Oh. Um, and so, like, half the Bond movies are about him, like, going rogue and, and, and like, faking his own death or, or you know... Does anyone, like, does he get written up at work? Like, does he have performance oh, reviews where they're like, sure. James, look, we got to talk. <laughs> James, I'm so sorry to do this. You, this is the sixth mission <laughs> I've sent you on that you've ignored me completely. Um, so you're not getting your bonus this year. Yeah, I also, mean, you haven't responded to any memos. <laughs> <laughs> frankly, it's getting very tiresome. He, I mean, I suspect in between his sexual harassment in the workplace seminars, <laughs> he's, he's not getting a lot of time for the, the dressing downs, but yeah. He's, uh, he's very bad at following orders, which <laughs> in the end he saves the world, you know, so he gets away with it. Yeah. Gets the job done. Gets the job done. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Any that's means right. necessary. <laughs> um, so there's been a ton of Bond so far. Um, which ones do we have to know? Which ones are your favorite? And which ones are like, don't bother? <laughs> 
Um, I mean, it, mm, it depends on where you're coming from, I guess. I mean, one of the, the wonders of Bond is that it's so, like, adaptable through different phases. Like, you know, the fact that this franchise has been going since the 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah. And is very, like, concerned with contemporary fashion, contemporary glamour. Uh, it means that you get to see, like, how we viewed what those things meant in different eras. So, like, oh. the you know, the 90s, we're no longer, like, glamorous. We're being, like, gritty. And it's, like, it's about cocaine. And, <laughs> and it's about drug smugglers in Mexico. And it's... Like not nice bits of Mexico, like yeah. we're nasty. Not, we're not in resorts and beaches. <laughs> not yeah. resorts and beaches. Like a, a, a weird uh, uh, religious. Uh, like a, it's a televangelist's set in Mexico is like the final wow. reel of one of the the nineties movies. Um, so it's kind of like a cult setting. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like in the eighties, it's very like. like Dynasty glamour, it's all shoulder pads and big hair and, and, and incredible, like, cheek makeup and eye makeup and all of these things and, and Grace Jones and Christopher Walken and, you know, icons all. Um, so, yeah, like, if you want to experience different eras of, of fashion and, and style, um, you know, for me, the, the Sean Connery movies are the best ones because they're the 60s ones. Um, they have the, the beautiful aesthetics, the incredible sets, like the villain layers yeah. are always some of the most amazing sets. And those were almost always built in London. London at Pinewood, which was then and maybe still is the biggest like indoor movie studio in the world. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, the, those movies, I think for me, are the most like glamorous, most fashionable. Like the women are the ones that I'm most inspired by and have the best like f fashion sense. Um, but then, you know, the, the Daniel Craig movies did reinvent the, the franchise in a really impressive way. And like half of them are good, which is tough to say of like a five movie uh, franchise, <laughs> yeah. right? so like you know, you, you jump one way or the other on. Yeah, um, yeah like the, the Daniel Craig, like he's great, and the production values are great, and a lot of the cast are amazing. Uh, some of the writing is not what I was looking for in those movies right. and is disappointing. But, like, they're very good, uh, entertaining movies. Like, if you just want to enjoy, you know, the the number one place to start if you want to be modern is Casino Royale, which you saw, the first Daniel Craig movie. And the place to start if you want to go old school is Goldfinger, which is the third Sean Connery uh, movie, but is the one that sort of cemented the, the type. And then if you want to, like, see crazy nonsense, then the last Sean Connery movie, Diamonds Are Forever, is one of my personal favorites. Uh -huh. It's completely off the wall. Like it's, um, it, it, like, it's super comedic, and at the same time, Sean Connery himself is, like, only there for the paycheck, so he's checked out all the way through. Oh, my God. Um, like, he's, he, he's you know, the oldest, obviously, that he's been in the role and no longer really sort of feels like sucking his paunch in so much. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, like, it's got a very campy queer performance from Charles Gray as Blofeld, who is, was a gay man, and, and so, like, his his sneering Blofeld is, I think, a thing of beauty, but to Blofeld fans, he's, like, he's the least serious one, so, like, they don't like it as much. Right. Um, but I love, I love campy queer uh, Blofeld. Who's Blofeld? <laughs> oh, he's the arch nemesis. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So he's, he, like, the Moriarty. He the, is the Moriarty, the yes. The master. The yes. Um, and he kind of, he has a complicated backstory in that he was created for a movie that was co-written by a guy named Kevin McClory. Um, that movie then did not get made or sort of got reimagined as Thunderball. Um, and But because McClory had co-created Blofeld for a movie script and then he ended up in the books, 
they didn't have the movie rights exclusively to use Blofeld uh, when they fell out with McClory. So oh. Blofeld is in a bunch of the early movies and then he is killed by Roger Moore uh, in his only appearance, I think, in the Roger Moore series of, of movies in like a pre-title sequence when he's dropped down a, a, an industrial chimney stack um, oh. and they don't name him. Because they can't. Oh, so it's just, like X Men did. Yeah, it's like you don't see his face, but you see that it's a man with a white cat, which is the oh, iconic. Oh, that. that's the cat guy. Right. Doctor Evil Doc- is Blofeld. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's what I should have said. <laughs> got it, got it. <laughs> Doctor Evil is Blofeld. I was thinking Doctor Claw, but you know, <laughs> same, 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 same. same. The the doctors. Um, so. You, okay, on the topic of villains, uh, we know there's a whole rogues gallery of mm-hmm. villains over the years. Uh, what makes a truly good Bond villain, uh, and does it change? I mean, you know, the the most recent movies, they kind of, they they were very careful to, like, layer in the 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 cliches of Bond, so they would only gradually, like, introduce Moneypenny and Q. Like, they're not in Casino Royale. Um, They're introduced, like, one movie at a time. Gadgets sort of slowly sort of ramp up. And the villain is is sort of similar. Like, for a long time, we didn't get really good hench people. Um, And so we only got, I think it was Dave Bautista's Mr. Hinks was, like, the first, like, proper henchman henchman of the the new movies. But back in the day, it was like, uh, you have to have a gimmick to be a good hench person. Like, you have to have a very distinctive visual and you have to have usually a way of killing people that's very, like unique, like a signature. Like yeah. the guy who throws his hat. Like the guy who throws his hat, yeah, odd job. Odd job, that's it. Um, I remember him from the Goldfinger, uh, oh wait, no, not Goldfinger, one of the video games. I oh, Goldeneye? Goldeneye, yes. that's it. Goldeneye, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's from, he is from Goldfinger, the, the movie. Oh, um, might be that then. <laughs> but, but he's probably also in the Goldeneye game because yeah. I think that reuses a bunch of people. Um, like Xenia on the top from the, um, the uh, Brosnan years is like she's the Famke Janssen uh, hench person who like is very sexual, like when she, she gets off on killing people, so that's her trademark. She crushes a guy to death with her thighs. Oh, she's that one. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of that one. Uh, which Don't movie ask me is why. That? Which movie is that again? Um, can I get a timestamp? Um, that, is, that is Goldeneye. Uh, also stars uh, Alan Cumming in a very memorable <gasps> Alan Cumming? Role. Oh, yeah. I did not know he was in a Bond film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The star of Spice World, yes. How, oh. yeah. Thank you for knowing exactly where Alan Cumming is from. <laughs> I really appreciate there that. And Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. yeah uh, th- also the L word. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, but I mean, definitely there in Joseph oh, and yeah. yeah. and, I Excellent mean, Roger Moore is also in Spice World. That course. is true. That that one I did know. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's so much crossover in so all of these various, crossover. various very important uh, cultural, cultural properties. Yeah. Properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, cool. So we've we've talked about a little bit about uh, the villains evolving and the gadgets evolving the same way. What kind of are the iconic gadgets? Ooh, let's see. I mean, the cars, of course. The cars are very yeah. I mean, my <laughs> so my co-host on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Shane, he is the car like the hardcore car geek, and I'm the one that's like. Oh, I like the jetpack and I like the Citroen, the little like <laughs> yellow Citroen in, in Fewer Eyes Only. Like, yeah. that's cute. Um, <laughs> I like a car that turns into a submarine. But other than that, I don't really know what a car is. Like, I don't drive. Yeah. I don't care. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of cool cars and I couldn't tell you most of their names. Like the Aston Martin DB5 is the most famous the classic. one. And it is a beautiful, beautiful piece. Um, 
And yeah, there's kind of a, uh, I don't know, you could probably chart like the number of gadgets in the cars sort of goes like steadily up and then drops off again when you get into the Daniel Craig era and then starts climbing pretty rapidly again. So are they like the Batmobile? Like they just outfitted with a bunch of wild things? In one of the Brosnan movies, it turns invisible. And it was oh. at that point that people were like, mm, this franchise now. needs to maybe yeah. take a little Do you yeah. have this technology, like, a England? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> it is so interesting because as you're saying, it's such an ar- archival series mm. in that like, you really do get to see evolving ideas of what is cool and what is glamorous and so on and so forth. And I've always felt that way about the technology in both. Yeah. Is that like, you, there's a time where gadgets were so neat and so uh, novel yeah. and so interesting, but you get to Daniel Craig and suddenly like push a big red button to have something happen seems very archaic. Right, yes. So, like, you really see, I found you really see it drop off there because it's just, like, if if a, if it doesn't all happen in one place like a cell phone, it's old. Yeah. You know? And it yeah. looks like a cartoon if you were to press a big red button. In, in From Russia with Love, one of the gadgets the Bond has is a pager. And it's like, <laughs> it's only like looking back now that I'm like, oh, wait, they thought that was a gadget. Like, yeah. you, you, you watch him use it in the movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, he uses his pager. And they're like, oh, no, they thought that was cool. That was a big deal. <laughs> they didn't know that technology was possible. Um, and like in, uh, I think it's in Goldfinger, like he has basically like a GPS, and it's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Amazing. Like, <laughs> how possible. <laughs> it's do not a very good one, but it, it's there. <laughs> do any of these... Uh, do any of these tie into like the creation of some of this technology? Do you think? Like, do you think people are inspired by these like things the to make them? Star Trek sort of, folk yeah, or that kind of thing. I think possibly. I mean, I, I think with Bond, there's always like a tendency to try and go for what's what's coming. Like that, you know, they're they're not trying to like create sci-fi ideas except like the the invisible car. Like I think, yeah. you know. <laughs> and even then, like there is like there are scientists working on like this light bending technology. Yep. Um, that will show you things behind an object reflected on the front of the object. And, like, so they were using uh, technology that they thought was, was like, right down the pipeline and it just isn't there yet. Yeah. But, yeah, I think with Bond, like, the idea is usually to try and use stuff that's, like, just about to happen or, or, or is certainly considered, like, plausible. So it's not... I don't think it's inspiring this technology to exist, but it's trying to stay current with technology in the same way that it tries to stay current with everything else. Like, it's the, the movie that, like popularized skiing for a large section yes. of the world. Yes. And then once everyone could ski, it went into snowboarding and they're like, oh, what's this new thing where he only has oh. one ski? You know? <laughs> a single large ski. Yeah. Why is this ski so wide? Crazy. Um, it, would you say the same thing happens with politics in James Bond? Is James Bond political? Is it something that like, because I, I know that in a lot of action movies, villains can change yeah. from like, they're Germans. Oh, now they're Russians. Yes. Now they're like, depending on who the enemy of the day is yeah. you know early 2000s where we're all in Afghanistan and so on and so forth would you say the same is true of Bond or does it stick mostly to cultural stuff no I think it is very yeah it definitely moves with the time it definitely likes to sort of like demonize whoever we're trying to demonize culturally in any given time um, and the villains do sort of yeah they reflect things that we're afraid of so they will be like 
the 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 phrase that gets used a lot to describe uh, a lot of Bond villains is like Orientalism. Like Ooh, a lot yeah. of them are like coded Asian, even if they're not Asian. Like the first villain in the movies is Doctor No, who is Asian. Yeah. Except he's played by a white man in yellow face. Yeah, classic. Great. Yeah. Um, classic sixties issue. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, but then after him, like a lot of them wear like Mandarin collars or like mm. have an Asian like fetish. Like they mm -hmm. have Asian psychics. Like Goldfinger yeah. has odd job and all of his like. Uh, factory staff are Korean and like in the books it's like oh they're you know it'll be some awful racist like trope of calling them industrious or something like that oh you yeah know? um and so the you know fear of Asia is a big thing that, that recurs through a lot of Bond and then sort of sinks away to become fear of Russia uh with the you know through the as the Cold War escalates um, and now, like, some of it is, like, fear of surveillance. Um, mm, interesting. Like, that's, that's cropped up. And, like, surveillance is both uh, what the state is trying to do and also what the state is afraid of. It's, like, who controls... It's who controls surveillance becomes yeah. the big fear. So uh, if we're controlling it, great. But if we anyone else can get to it, oh, no, that's terribly dangerous. Oh, isn't that typical of power? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, too much for them, but it's just enough for us. <laughs> we'll, we'll wield it responsibly. We'll yeah. it right. we'll we're good. not evil. Um, <laughs> the people trying to use it instead of us are evil yeah. because they're trying to use yeah. it. Power corrupts uh, them, not <laughs> me. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's obviously like everything is political and, you know, this is it's a product of empire. It's a product of empire specifically in decline. Like Bond has only existed in a declining uh, British empire. Like he's kind of a manifestation of that decline, I think. The sort of the last man on the wall, the sort of the, the agent of a power that no longer has the influence that it thinks it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that like over time only becomes more and more pronounced in the movies because the movies are always contemporary. Like the books existed when they existed and, and, and finished when they, I mean, there are still people writing them, but you know, there, there is a, a core canon yeah. um, and those are done. And yeah, but the movies kept going and the movies always like this, in theory, this guy has been like working for the queen for 60 years now. Um, oh, do you, uh, okay. Uh, this isn't a written question. This is just me off the cuffing. Um, do you see that being kind of reflected in American action movies as well? Because obviously that is a, a place that is having some struggles and a little <laughs> bit of a, de a decline of power, one would say. Don't mm -hmm. at me, please. I'm scared of you all. Um, do you think that's something that uh, we'll start seeing in American films? I think one of the reasons, I think we've talked about this on, on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, is uh, that... American heroes like don't don't land in the same way because there's something like unlikable about someone representing America because America is still like su has supremacy. Yeah, mm. you know it is in decline. It doesn't want to acknowledge it. No, um, that's but it's part not, of the decline. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like over the hump the way the British Empire yeah. was in the fifties. Yeah, so you know the so an American enforcing American values around the world is just imperialist, whereas a British person, yes, is still an imperialist enforcing imperial values around the world, yep. but is doing it like in a losing game. So it's like yeah. more palatable kind of. Mm, like, yeah. yeah. Like the, everyone around the world can watch this and, and cheer him on 
to an extent. Oh, well, not everyone. There's plenty of people who absolutely should not be yeah. sharing James Bond. <laughs> I respect that choice. Yeah. It, <laughs> it does seem like the the fact that it sort of came out of World War II mm. was probably like a feature of that. Right? Yes, Because of how, how difficult World War II must have been for the British and yeah. so on and so forth. Well, and a lot of the villains in the, in the novels are like uh, a foreign person who came to Britain and uh, established themselves as a rich person in the UK after mm. the war and are now like British but only like you know they can go to the gentlemen's clubs and their passport is British but they speak with a funny accent and they look foreign ah. and it's like you know, it's not hard to see what's going on there like yes. what the fear yeah. is there of sort of post-war uh, immigrant world where people are coming into money through ways other than inheriting it like mm. oh how dare sound right how gross <laughs> um, they don't like new us money. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> um, fascinating oh. fascinating Cool. Um, so we talked a bit about Bond girls. Um, mm-hmm. uh, who are some of the standouts, and how do you think uh, they've changed as women's representation has evolved? Yeah, I mean, the the Bond, we say Bond women on our podcast. Okay. Um, Thank you. But that's, but you know, they are popularly known as Bond girls, and there's nothing wrong with being a girl, but they're women. Yeah, um, they, are, well, they, are, they are very much women, and it's probably, given what they what ends up happening in most of those movies, I think it's important to call women. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that is a good point. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the, like, the funny things that you will see over the years is when en- whenever an actress uh, takes on a role of a Bond woman, one of the interviews she will give, uh, or one of the answers she will give in interviews all the time is, oh, I think my character is different from, like, they'll be like, oh, how do you fit in with the other Bond girls? Um, and they'll say, oh, well, you know, in the past they were kind of like damsels and I'm much more independent and feisty and I have my own thing going on and I'm different. But they all say that. Every single generation of, of Bond woman says the same thing. And it's kind of like there's some validity to it. Um but also, like, Bond women of the past sometimes were more, like, when you look at them in context, were much more, like, competent and independent than you maybe thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Some of the best Bond women are the, are the villains, like the, the evil ones. Um, you know, Fiona Volpe in Thunderball is one of my absolute favourites, but she's, uh, she's just very tough and at the same time has this gorgeous red hair and, and like... rich Italian accent and it's like and she's the one that famously sleeps with Bond and then afterwards is like did you think I was going to change to the side of good because we had sex (laughs) I like her (laughs) Um, she dies very soon after that of course oh man come on I'm sorry but uh, classic punishment always be a place in my heart for her Um, like pussy galore again like she is the archetypal like she's on the baddie's side but she sleeps with him and both becomes good and stops being a lesbian oh classic wow Wow, his dick is power. All you need is one, one good. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's like the line she gives is, you know, he said, "Oh, I thought you weren't into men," and she said, "Well, I never met a man before." Um, Ugh, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, oh, I love it, but I hate it. That is the correct response. It's like, like it's vile, but it's an artifact. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that is iconic. Honestly, in some ways, I, I kind of. Uh, it's fun looking back on it when mm. they say it out loud right. because they still kept doing that yeah. into the 2000s mm. easy, but at least they said it. Right, <laughs> like. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and like so many of these women have been like amazingly tough and resourceful and it's kind of in the 80s that they all become like blonde and ditzy mm. and that becomes like the Denise Richards Christmas Jones thing that was yeah. sort of 
I don't know, that was that was big in the press at the time that she was like a step back for Bond girls, Bond yeah. women, because she was um, dumb. But actually, when you watch the movie, like she's actually kind of cool in a way. Like she's based, physically, she's meant to look like Lara Croft, like her style of dress is very Lara Croft. So again, responding to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a nuclear physicist. And the joke is that, oh, you can't be a nuclear physicist and be this sort of like bubbly valley girl with the California accent. But then I look back at the movie now and I'm like, why not? Yeah. yeah. Why, why, why does a scientist have to be, like, uptight and, yeah. and wear, like, a long lap coat in the desert? Like, that doesn't make sense. Scientists can wear shorts. It's okay, <laughs> yeah. you guys. Elle Woods yeah. can be a lawyer. Right. She can be. Uh, <laughs> Another iconic piece of cinema. Very important. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're True. just bringing out the hits today. <laughs> Truly believe this of all of these. Anyway, that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, okay. There's a big question. If mm. it were up to you, mm-hmm. who'd be the next James Bond and what would the next era look like? Oh, I mean, it's a great question um, and something that just preys on my mind all day, every day. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, it's for a brief period of time there, we didn't have a James Bond or a Doctor Who and it was very stressful. Yeah. Was England okay? No. <laughs> have you seen what's been happening? It just shut down. Yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister left. That's why. It was not okay. Like, I mean, the Queen's going to go any day now, but losing Doctor Who and James Bond at the same time was the real yeah. problem. <laughs> That's a lot it was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, thank God for Shuti Gatwa taking over the role of, of Doctor Who. Yes. The Doctor. Um, please send the hate mail to me. Um, we don't do hate mail here. We just do regular mail. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we are waiting to find out who the new Bond is going to be and there's like constantly updated like betting odds on it um, and there are like a dozen candidates that I would be very happy with and I, they might choose someone that I've never heard of well, it's unlikely because I've heard of a lot of people um, <laughs> I've heard of some people I've heard, I know people, I know people. <laughs> um. so like Henry Cavill keeps getting mentioned as like <gasps> the ideal and he kind of is like if you're going to cast Ian Fleming's Bond yeah. yeah, like he really looks the part if I could draw a bond, it would look exactly like yeah. him. Yeah. And he's also got, like, he's got tradition on his side, which is he auditioned for the role and almost got it last time oh, they were casting really? it. Really? Which happened with Pierce Brosnan. It happened with Timothy Dalton. Like, it's kind oh. of a weird tradition. Roger Moore, I think, was up for it when George Lazenby got it even. So, like, it's almost like they always, like, skip <laughs> ahead. Like, they always huh. cast two at once. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, he was like, it was down to the final two between Daniel Craig and Henry Cavill. And Henry Cavill was like in his early to mid 20s at that point. So, yeah, they, a baby. Like, you know, they would have been reinventing the role uh, yeah. for him. But now he's like the right age to play Bond. So he would be perfect. And but like then, jacked. And jacked, yeah. He jacked. And you, yeah. Can, you can believe people like swooning and, you know. Oh, yes. Look, I'm, I'm pretty gay, but I swoon for that man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Watch the Tudors if you haven't, if oh, you want to swoon for him. Those buttocks. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then, then there are people, you know, that break the mold. And it, it would be so exciting to see, you know, a black James Bond like Reggae Jean Page from Bridgerton. Oh, I didn't even know that they thought of him. He would be so good, and he's oh. been talked about a lot. Oh. Yeah, he's another person that's very exciting to look at. Very yes. exciting to look at. Uh, Jonathan Bailey, also from Bridgerton would be an amazing Bond again is a white guy but he's a gay white guy and so the idea of a gay man playing Bond like is kind of cool that and subversive awesome. I don't yeah. know if they'd let Bond be queer but uh, yeah. I would yeah. <laughs> um, I mean they, and they have hinted at Bond like 
dabbling during the Daniel Craig era, so it's yeah. not unprecedented. Yeah, um, Bond got to do what Bond got to do. Right, that's right. Let, let him right. do it. Let's have some Bond men instead of all Bond that's women. Right. Bond so, boys. Bond boys. <laughs> yes, yes, of yes. course. Oh, that has a, that really rolls really off the tongue, like, doesn't it? Bond boys. I like that. All right. Well, they're um, little speedos. Love a Bond. Boy. Henry Cavill, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> was Idris Elba also someone who's being named? He was for a long time. He was like the favorite um, when Daniel Craig like took, got the role. Mm. He was like the person everyone was talking about. Um, Colin Salmon, who has been in the Bond movies, was also a person that got talked about a lot as another uh, great black British actor. Um, uh, but Idris Elba now, I think, is aged out yeah. of it. I mean, yeah. there are still people saying it should be him, but I, I, I think there are so many other great British actors that could do it and, and black British actors that could do it. Um, you know, John Boyega would, again, oh, be a, yeah. an excellent Absolutely. choice. Um, a South Asian Bond, I think, would be amazing because, you know, he's... The, the UK is uh, a heavily South Asian country. Like, yeah. We have had waves of, of migration from the West Indies and from uh, India and yep. from, like, let's represent those cultures. Yeah. Um, so to have a Caribbean bond like Biega or a South Indian bond, uh, a South Asian bond would be, I think, the right direction to take it in because also it takes it back a little bit from the colonialist yeah. narrative. Yeah, yeah. Which is and having them reclaim, oh, Ram, Ram Sharan. It's my new favorite uh, movie star. Uh, let let him be Bond. Um, and it's it's canon that Bond changes, right? Like Bond, they aren't all. Are they all playing the same person, or are they uh, are these different individuals becoming James Bond the agent role? Yeah. Well, I would say it's kind of a hot take. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, I accidentally did one. Ooh. Um, yeah, there, there are people who want to fix this problem and there are people who don't think it is a problem. And right. I'm, I'm in the I don't think it's a problem yeah. category. It's like this is a series of movies in which they have to recast the actor because they get older. Yeah. Yes. That's why it changes. And that's the only explanation you need. But yes. there are people that want to say, oh, it's the same guy. Uh, or there are people who want to say, oh, it's a different guy like who takes the same name on. Interesting. Yeah. And like you can try and explain either thing um like this the suggestion seems to be that it's the same guy which is obviously impossible because he wouldn't have been alive this long doing right. this of yes. course um and he doesn't seem to have memories or oh, sometimes he does have memories and sometimes he doesn't fascinating like some like roger moore visits the grave of george lazenby's wife uh when lazenby was was bond and, and like later movies like there'll be hints back or like one bond will be looking at the gadgets that belonged to another bond so like he must be the same guy um, Daniel Craig, I think, literally has the same Aston Martin that was in, like, the, a Sean Connery movie, and it's, like, it's the same guy. But it actually can't be the same guy. So don't think about it. Right, right. <laughs> like, it seems like much things. Yeah. <laughs> don't, like, don't think about it. A, a wizard punched the walls of reality, and that's how James Bond exists. I mean, I don't think J James Bond is any fun if you worry too much about reality. No. Just, like, any part of it. Reality Just, has no place here no, at all. That's the point. It's <laughs> yeah. fun. It's fantastical. That like. makes a lot of sense. I just thought that was uh, the case, but that's good to know. And I guess, like, there are both, both head cans cannons are correct. Yeah, or both are wrong. Or <laughs> glass half full, glass half empty. I love uh, it. Uh, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. What's the nerdiest thing you've done in relation to this fandom? I mean, it's probably having a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
if not having a podcast. Nerdy. Are they? Are they? I think they're very cool. Actually, I think only really cool people. Besides that. Besides that, I mean. You know, I'm not I'm not in a position to be the guy that like buys all the Bond clothing and stuff. Um, Wait, there's Bond clothing? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They like make they they make his suits, his polo shirts, everything. His Henley. Oh my god. Like, but, but they're all super expensive. Like, yes, of course. You know, they have them made for Daniel Craig for the movies, um, and then they go on sale as that like as seen in the movie um i think there are probably like bond girl dresses as well that you can buy cool. um yeah like and of course the watches the shoes yeah everything <gasps> like um and everything's like highest possible quality so the i have none of that stuff cosplay it's yeah. super expensive yeah. the one thing i did do is when we started doing the podcast and we started with casino royale and i was watching as i was watching the movie i noticed them like they have these giant plastic like plaquettes that they're betting with yeah. uh, at the the tables and i thought i wonder if you can buy that and i went online and of course you can buy yeah like replica casino royale casino chips so i'm like okay i'm gonna buy one of oh, those that's awesome. it sits on my desk oh <laughs> i love that <laughs> Um, but you also mentioned that you make drinks too, right? Yes, yeah, yes. That's uh, pretty cool. Like we, we, you know, I like to try the different versions of of the martinis that that show up in the, you know, there is the classic Bond, the Vespa Martini. Yep. Um, there is the, you know, he always says, "Oh, vodka martini shaken, not stirred." But the actual like Vespa is slightly more complicated than than that. Really? Uh, yeah. It's like it's made with a. a, a a vermouth that doesn't exist anymore, Kina Lillet, which is like Lillet Blanc, which is a vermouth that does still exist, but with more bitterness from Kinkona bark, which is the thing that makes quinine. Is this which is nerdy very, like, yes, that's very like, tonic, gin and tonic Yeah, very like, tonic right? very bitter. So, like, yeah, and so the closest you can get to it is Kochi Americano, which is a vermouth that's not available in Canada unless you go to specialist stores like Italy, which is where I bought some so I could make oh a my real God. Vespa. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> I How did it love taste? that. Uh, really good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth okay. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I might get some more. Oh, <laughs> I support that. I think you should. Amazing. Um, before we get into our hot takes, we want to thank our friends over at tpublic.com, where you're going to find your next favorite tea. Tpublic is an excellent website, which has unique and nerdy designs available on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, mugs, stickers, phone cases, just basically everything you want and dream. Um, and you can find a design that you love, and you can get it on basically anything. Like any image that you want, you can put it on a t-shirt, you can put it on a hoodie, on the back of your hoodie. You could put your face on a t-shirt if you really wanted, or you could find one by some amazing indie artists uh, who are getting paid fairly for their work. So please check them out. When you buy a shirt from our Public store, you're supporting an indie artist as well as supporting this podcast. And you get a dope t-shirt out of it that is exactly what you want, which oh. is pretty rad. Yeah, you can customize size, color, fabric on any piece of clothing. I have so many shirts from Public. I got a really nice uh, Beetlejuice one, the sandworm from Beetlejuice, and I decided I'm not really, I don't wear a ton of color, but I was like, I'm going to get a baby pink Beetlejuice t-shirt. And, and it I looks great. Love it. It's yeah. so nice. Absolutely. We recently got some uh, t-shirts with our faces on it because of our logo. You can get our faces on your chest or yeah. your back our or faces your phone. near your faces. Anyway, um, <laughs> so head on over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com to check out all of our merch and favorite designs from Public, so you can have our faces on your chest. That's tpublic.thefandomshow.com. Thank you, Public, so much for your support. We love you. Love you.
All right. So now it's time. I accidentally stumbled across this, but now it's time for hot takes. Um, so we're going to start with the very first one. Uh, James Bond proves superhero movies don't have to redo the origin story every time and that no actor is irreplaceable. That, that is from uh, at Yidboy on Twitter. I mean, yeah. I mean, the no actor is irreplaceable. Yes, that's that's true. Although I think in a shared superhero universe, it's trickier to replace an actor because yeah. you're there's more moving parts. Like there's more interrelationships. Certain re- realities that you've established. Yeah, like in Bond, when they change the the actor playing Bond, they don't necessarily change everyone. Like Money Penny kept going through. Uh, more than one Bond um, before they started recasting her because Lois Maxwell, the original Money Penny, was was getting on and didn't want to do it anymore. Q endured until he died, literally. Like wow, the actor, you know, was had a, a car accident and died, and so he oh. wasn't in it anymore. And then it was John Cleese for like one movie, and then they rebooted the whole franchise, and it was Ben Whishaw, um, who's the the queer Q, which was great. Um, I love that. <laughs> More of that. Yes. Um, so yeah. So in in. Again, it's a thing like don't worry too much about the like that reality of the the actors, but um, like the the other side of that, the origin story, like Bond doesn't really have an origin story. Like they kind of did it with with the Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig Casino Royale movie, which is, you know, you have to do the the two kills and then you go on your assignment with a license to kill. And so that movie is that story, but it's the only time they've done that story huh. in the movies. Like otherwise, he's just a guy who picks up an assignment and goes like he doesn't need uh, an origin or a dark haunted past and they kind of I mean it's one of the things that actually ruins the Daniel Craig series of movies a bit is that they start like going into his past and making Blofeld someone from his past it's like you don't need this this doesn't this actually weakens the whole thing for me because yeah. it's part of the mystery, I assume. Yeah. Part of the escape is that, like, he isn't tormented by his mom or whatever. Yeah, no, like, he's he's tormented by women forever dying around him, though he is responsible for that as well. And, Keep it know. in your pants, both <laughs> your gun and your dick. Yeah. Stop it. Um, okay, this one uh, is from uh, a fellow uh, person on our network, uh, which is Craig Fay from the Villain is Right podcast. Uh, he says, James Bond works best as a character when he's being called out on his shit by other characters. <laughs> he's a bad man, a violent, misogynistic alcoholic who is the answer to uh, what kind of person could murder for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, his classiness and patriotism are poorly fit disguises to hide who he really is. See Judy Dench as M first meeting with Bond in Goldeneye and Vesper's conversation with him on the train in Casino Royale. Yeah, I mean, those are both great dressing down scenes. Um, and it's true, like, Bond is, he's cocky and he does need to be brought down a peg or two. And it's like, it also, it humanizes him, so it makes him a more attractive character, I think. Um, and you want to have friction. You want him to not always be right. You want, especially, you want the women around him to to tell him that he's a, a prick um, because it gives them more power as well. And and it's also true. Um, so Did they ever do that in the older movies where the women are like, nim, 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 you're a piece of shit. <laughs> so you're a woman in person? Yeah. We're going to cancel you now. I'm sorry. All, all women. <laughs> I'm, but it's the 60s, so I imagine that all the women are naggy, naggy, because that's how people were portrayed in old movies. But they would do it in like a seductive way with an yeah. Italian accent. Me, 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 to be fair, you're technically the only woman here, so you get to do whatever me, you want. Me, me, me. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly yes, like that. nailed um, it. Yeah, like he does, he, he's always come up against women who won't put up with his shit, but of course they would get killed for it in early movies. Not necessarily by him, just happens that they would also die. Yeah. Um, women need to know you don't talk back. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the vibe. Um, so, but yeah, I, he, he, but also he is kind of faking the glamour thing. Like he, and again, you would have to delve into the backstory in a way that doesn't necessarily make the character richer. Um, but he's not meant to be from like a, a super, like, I mean, he is from money, but he doesn't have a lot of money. Like, he lives on a, a civil service wage. He's not going home and drinking champagne, at least not in the, the books. Mm. Um, in the movies, he's sort of his home life gets more and more glamorous until they eventually strip it back to he lives in an empty apartment that he's never at. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he's... It, it's an affect. The, the whole thing is an affect. Like, the Bond is a character that he wears. He just doesn't have anything underneath it. God, it's because he's been wearing it too long. Yeah. Man. Gotta let it go. <laughs> Deep. Um, okay, so here's one from uh, two of our uh, pals on Discord, uh, Stephen and Stu. Thank you for this hot take. Um, I'd love to see Bond movies as period pieces. Mm-hmm. How does that fit into the the whole sort of ar- archival nature of it? Yeah, I mean, so this is where I can unleash one of my hot takes, which Ooh. is I think that the the people who uh, control the franchise, which is Eon Productions, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson. They like the, the the broccoli family has controlled this franchise the entire time that it's been a franchise, um, and they do not like to dilute it at all. Like they've tried, or they've they've considered spin-offs. Like there was a bad cartoon about James Bond's nephew. Um, ah, they like Jimmy Bond, uh, James Bond Junior. Oh, okay. Um, How do you get the junior if he's a nephew? I know it doesn't make sense. Okay. Does he have like a license to lightly beat up? Like, yeah. what's the junior part of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just and he's fighting like I don't know the kids of James Bond hench people or something. Okay. It's like, Odd. <laughs> it was wacky. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like there haven't been a lot of Bond, like there's a lot of Bond merch always, but spin-offs, no. Like there was a talk about doing a Jinx uh, spin-off, which is the Halle Berry character, mm. but that was not a good character. Um, and so, yeah, it didn't happen and there have been other like mooted possibilities of spin-offs. But they don't really want to, to dilute it. And I think they need to let go a little bit because we're now in the age of, of streaming and of like spin-offs and, and, and universes and I don't think it needs to be as controlled as tightly as they do and I think doing period versions of the some Bond stories like classic Fleming novels Oof. as period adaptations yeah. stick that on a streaming service it doesn't have to be as big budget because it's not going to be as like big action sequences yep. put some like um Oh, what's his name? Aiden Turner, I think, would be a great Bond for that because he looks very like the sort of Fleming imagination yeah. of mm-hmm. Bond. Um, you could make an amazing period Bond like TV movie series yeah. and people would lap it up and it wouldn't take away from Henry Cavill's yep. movie Bond. It would just add more to yeah. the... I think I think looking at what Marvel's doing and seeing that, like not that everything needs to be Marvel, yeah. but like there's definitely opportunity to do. And like somebody also mentioned, uh, Contrary Mario 13 on Instagram mentioned wanting a Q-based movie instead mm-hmm. of another 007 one, right? Um, so, like, those are could be all possibilities. Yeah, you could yeah. do Q, you could do Money Penny. Like, I mean, Money Penny is a great character, and she's yeah. a, like, if you the the current version of Money Penny is a field agent who like chooses to retire from the field, but she's still trained as a field agent. Um, like the the M that Judy Dench was playing, you could do like her spy adventures in the seventies or eighties. Oh. You know, that would be amazing. That would like, be I amazing. Would love that. Uh, there are villains and, and hench people and Bond women like P- Pussy Galore would love. Like that's my dream project is to do a Pussy Galore really? project. Yeah. Oh, you heard it here, world. <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah, and that would be such an interesting way too to get more women into sort of those main roles without having mm. to have the conversation of a female James Bond yeah. or 
or whatever, which I know is like controversial in some ways, but if just giving a, a different role in that world. Yeah, there yeah. are so many amazing female characters in these movies and there's so much scope for doing more with them than is being done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is from Philip Goat on Twitter. If Dalton had been the first Bond in the series, people would love him more than Connery. Huh. No. <laughs> Just a flat no. Sorry, Philip. Yeah, hard no on that one. <laughs> great. Uh, great. No, no further explanation. Okay, I like that. <laughs> um, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I got one. Yep. Uh, for Super Salmon uh, on Instagram, James Bond was forced from the action action genre to sci-fi to stay relevant. Um, yes and no. I mean, so when Star Wars came out. Uh, the next Bond movie was supposed to be for your eyes only, I think, and they changed to doing Moonraker, uh, a movie in which, oh, sorry, a book in which Bond does not go into outer space. That's not what happens in the book, but the movie he does go into outer what? space. Um, why so many? Fr- okay, why so many <laughs> franchises are like, you know what? We've done enough with her. We got to go to space now. Like, oh my god! I think that question answers itself. Yeah. <gasps> space, baby. Okay, yeah. Please continue. Space. I'm and, sorry. Yeah, like in a post Star uh, Star Wars world, they're like, well, we have to go into space that's what the kids want it's not like he goes far into space like he goes into orbit he goes to a satellite and then he destroys the satellite and plummets to earth and blah 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 Um, typical day at the office yeah Yeah. it's fine it's like this Elon Musk bullshit Roger Moore huffing and puffing around a satellite in a bright orange (laughs) spacesuit with a woman less than half his age um yeah, it, it's and then after that, they they went back and did For Your Eyes Only, which is like the most grounded of the Roger Moore movies. So they're like, okay, we went too far. We acknowledge we went too far. And yeah. we need to pull it back. We jumped the shark and ended up in space. Jeez <laughs> Louise. I just have to make a side point about things deciding they need to go to space. Have any of you seen the Aladdin musical? Does it go to space? They do. <laughs> so in a whole new world, you're like, cool, you got a magic carpet. You're going to just enjoy seeing the sides uh-huh. of Earth. They go to outer space. They're in the stars <laughs> in that musical. It's I don't know if they took it out for the Broadway version, but the Toronto version, uh, what they're previewing for Broadway, I, I lost my... <laughs> mine. Oh my God. Right. Anyway. This is a real thorn in Steph's side we've discovered. I didn't realize it until today. Steph I, is anti-space. I don't like going to space. Let's stay away from space. Keep me on Earth. Space is scary. Um, I mean, I have to agree with that. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Is it a hot take to say that I'm ready to re- for a return to Bond being camp? If they're going to keep getting white dudes to play Bond, at least give me fun <laughs> j- gadgets again. I mean, yeah. They. I mean, again, like they did kind of start embracing the camp a little bit more uh, towards the end of Craig's run. They, I mean, they didn't get all the way there by, by any stretch of the imagination. Nothing of the, the uh, ecstatic highs of Diamonds Are Forever, which, again, most people think is one of the worst and I think is maybe the best Bond movie. So, you know, there and Bond always reacts to itself as well as to the culture. So right. it's always got this, like, frenetic back and forth between high camp and, and gritty. Um, you know, the, the Dalton era is... Because you're coming out of Roger Moore, you're coming out of, you know, Christopher Walken as the bad guy and Grace Jones as the hench person and it being like a 70-year-old man running around yeah. and like pigeons doing like double takes and, and all this weird, <gasps> super campy and like music stings that are like... Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> Which movie is this one again? This sounds like the movie that I would That's like. View to a Kill. Uh, view to um, a Kill. I must confess, I do know about the pigeon double takes specifically <laughs> because uh, the trio in Buffy has a conversation about it in season six. <laughs> 
and that's most of my Bond knowledge. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> that God. Scene. Um, yeah, View to a Kill is trash, but it's so entertaining. Um, Grace Jones kills a man with a butterfly on a string. I um, love it. What? <laughs> and Grace what? Jones is a goddess. So Grace yeah. Jones can kill anyone with anything at any time. Oh, for sure, for oh, sure. Um, so, yeah, so, like, they swung back to, like, a little bit boring with the Dalton years, and, and then they kind of went camp again with Goldeneye and then sort of went camper and camper as the the Brosnan movies went on to, to the point where he's, like, uh, snowboarding down an avalanche and it's, like, it's so clearly CG, whereas for a long time most Bond stunts were, were physical, were yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. And like that, people were like, "No, this is repulsive. Why are you using computers? They're disgusting." Here's <laughs> a gadget, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so they took a break and they rebooted the, everything. And they were like, "Well, let's be a bit more Jason Bourne about it." And they got Daniel Craig. And so, yeah, it's going to keep swinging back and forth like that. But I agree with that hot take. I would love a campier, queerer, sillier Bond. Yeah, oh. I'm I'm about that too. I also think that Bond, no matter how gritty you make Bond, Bond is still camp because yes. the notion of a man who can do all of these things and also, again, it, any woman it just, like, suddenly is not wearing clothes anytime she's in his vicinity. That is camp no matter how gritty you make right? it. In a my humble opinion. Super secret spy being like, I'm James Bond. <laughs> I'm a secret spy. Everyone knows my drink order. Look at me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, okay, this one's from Steven on our Discord. Uh, hot take, Cheryl Crow's theme for Tomorrow Never Dies is good. <laughs> Um, if Shane were here, he would agree with that hot take, but he is not. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Um, do you have, a, because we didn't get into it and we probably should have, Bond mm, themes. Bond do you themes. have favorites? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Bond themes. I think like that's also one of the gateways into it for me was yeah. like I loved so many of those songs. Yeah. Like I think I probably knew and loved all the songs before I'd seen all the movies. And I'm I'm a, a Shirley Bassey queen from, from oh, way back, you know. Yes. She's so good. Like her voice is incredible. Uh, her range, her her, her emotion, um, her just gall. Like yeah. she's completely unafraid to just devour. If she's like the Godzilla of singing. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Um, so she did all, Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds right? Are Forever. I love that song. And uh, she did Goldfinger, and she did um, Moonraker. Um, oh. She's the only person to come back and do a, a second song. Really? And then Ooh. she did a third. Um, and, the, yeah, there are other, like, artists who have sort of tried to do, like Tina Turner's very clearly doing a Shirley Bassey yeah. in her Bond song. Um, and there are a few others like that. But most Bond songs are great. Um, the Shell Crow one. <laughs> <laughs> It's a grower, maybe. <laughs> you don't sound convinced. I just picture every day as a winding road uh, <laughs> as the Bond theme song. My favorite Bond movie. Every it, day is a winding that, road. That is, that is absolutely the Bond movie where he meets a small child and they go on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can, I can picture this trailer. Oh, my God. I want it. Um, now, uh, we're coming to the end of our hot takes. Do you have any hot takes that you need out in the world right now about <laughs> James Bond? Now is your time. I mean, one thing I was wondering about is like when I suggested Bond for a, a, a topic for the fandom show, yeah. I was like, wait, am I in this fandom? Uh, what is a fandom? Is a fandom a community or is it like a state of being? Ooh. <laughs> oh, 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 gosh. Hot oh, take, gosh. challenging the premise of the entire show. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It just collapses in on itself. Oh, this no. Is, I'm sorry. This is the last episode of the fandom show ever. We have to go stare at a wall and contemplate our existence. Um, That's an interesting... Well, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think 
like I'm a fan of James Bond, and that qualifies me to, to yep. talk about this. If yep. you need a qualification, um, you Not don't in my just, opinion. Need, just need a microphone. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I like I'm not in a fan. But, but Bond has been around for so long that kind of it doesn't matter. Like there yeah. doesn't need to be a fandom. Whereas newer things like the fandoms generate up around them, and the internet is there. But like there are people who have never done anything on the internet except maybe like order a. a grocery delivery who are Bond fans. Like yeah. they, they're not going to go on a message board. Um, and they're not going to talk about Bond to people except like immediately after seeing a movie to their mate that they saw it with. Like yeah. that's, they can still be Bond fans. Yep. And there's a lot of Bond fans who I wouldn't talk to um, because they're going to take the wrong things away from it. Yeah. And it's like, yep. like the reason we're doing a, a queer James Bond podcast is because we kind of wanted to interrogate Bond from that perspective. Yeah. Like mm. as, as two queer people, myself and Shane, wanted to, to look at Bond and say, well, why do we like this misogynistic, racist, homophobic franchise yeah. that we have lived with our entire lives and that we still do love? Um, and, like, there are other people who would watch it un unironically. And, like, having a queer James Bond podcast is like having a feminist Rick and Morty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and as a feminist who has enjoyed Rick and Morty, I do see that. Yeah, right? I get like, it. Yeah. I love Rick and Morty, but I don't want to be around the other people that love Rick and Morty. Absolutely and not like, under yeah. any circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> Except for you, you're lovely. Thank you, you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's such so interesting. And, like, we have a very broad version of fandom here at the fandom mm -hmm. show. Yeah. Um, like we've done episodes on space. We'll do episodes on all sorts of things. Um, and like, I, I often kind of think of it very similarly to queerness, which is another sort of community thing that is very personal. And right. it's like, you may be, you, you may have never, uh, never done anything queer, never talked about being queer, but may still be queer. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. like very similar to that with fandom is that like, if you have a love for something somewhere in you and you want to talk about it, I feel like you're in a fandom yeah you know? yeah uh fandom to me uh, is definitely a within it's an emotional state it's right. a it's a connection to a property or a thing that just like gets you up in the morning and you just like are so excited to think about it and if you connect with people about it that's just bonus right. level on fandom yeah. like the community yeah. aspect of fandom i think is a very phenomenal aspect of it um, yeah it can, it can go both ways like go, any community it can go weird yeah um <laughs> but i do think uh it is driven from just like a deep heart of love for yeah. the things and just getting to talk about those things or affection or interest yeah. or just yeah and fandom it, it it percolates differently for people like some people are i need to know every fact about this thing and i need an encyclopedic knowledge of it and some people like my type of fandom is it's so emotional right I just want to be around it. I want to think about it. I want to just like dream about it. Um, yeah, I think that. What a fascinating. And <laughs> like some people's fandom, like much like yours and some of mine as well, like are handed down to them from family. <laughs> yeah. You know, like my grandfather handed me Lord of the Rings and my now dad I did too. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's such an interesting question. And I would say the, like the addendum to that hot take, hot take B is <laughs> the, the thing you love doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to agree with it. No. Yeah. You should always that's, question it. That's a thing that people I think struggle with a lot, like especially in younger fandoms that like there's so much like talking about things being problematic. And it's like, there's nothing in the world that is more problematic than James Bond. As I said, like, he's sexist, he's racist, he's misogynistic. Yeah. Um, some of those movies are just painful to watch from just like a, a social justice perspective. Yeah. It's like, this is ugly stuff. Uh, but I'm not endorsing any of that by loving James Bond and people have to like remember to, to create that distance. Yeah, yeah. Know? And those things exist in the world. It yeah. should be like, well, that doesn't, we don't talk about it. Right. it it's, it's, we don't like it. It's like, no, but that exists and yeah. it's important to see it 
uh, try to parse it out and understand what why these things are being represented to you on screen, uh, whether it's historical or whether it's just as a commentary. Yeah. yeah, and it's such a big conversation we're having right now too between like J.K. Rowling and what happens to Harry Potter fans and do they have yeah. to give this up? Like as a Buffy fan, Joss mm. Whedon ain't ain't all that great, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so like this this goes on and on, and I don't think this conversation will ever stop as no. long as people are the ones making these things, yeah. right? Because they're fallible. And yeah. they'll always will be, right? So but you it, don't necessarily need to cancel an entire property necessarily. I mean, don't give them money yeah. if they're problematic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, different across the board. So it's, yeah, it's such an interesting <gasps> conversation to have. Oh wow, cool, <laughs> good hot take. Love oh, that. Amazing. Um, well, we're we're nearing the end of our episode here, uh, but uh, and we're going to share our micro fandoms of the week momentarily. Uh, but before we do, uh, we'd love to talk about uh, how you can support the show. Uh, there are tons of free ways to do it uh, that would all be greatly appreciated. Um, join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fandom Show Pod. We also have a Discord, uh, a sub Discord. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Something like uh, that on the From Superheroes Discord channel. So come engage with us over there. Tell us about your fandoms and uh, how you. F- what is fandom to you? I want to know now. Yeah, heck yeah, I absolutely want to know that. Let's see, let's hear your opinions. Um, if you have ideas for future episodes, if you want to catch up on past episodes, if you just want to say hello, uh, you can visit us at thefandomshow.com. Uh, please tell all your nerdiest friends about us, and please, if you can, uh, get on an, onto your podcast provider of choice, though, ideally Apple Podcasts, and do a little rate, review, and subscribe. Even one sentence uh, will help us move up in the charts to help people find us. Uh, for this episode, I don't know. What what could they say for this episode? What's a fun... Favorite Bond? Your favorite Bond? What you think Who fandom is? Bond? Who should be Bond? I'd love to hear that. Uh, you could just write Bond, uh, and that would be... <laughs> we, we would know how you found us. Yep, we love reading all of those reviews and everything. Every single one helps us uh, shoot up in the charts, which means we can keep changing fandom for the better and making it as positive as possible or just talking about shit we like. That's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this show will always be free, but if you do want to support us uh, monetarily, you can always find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash show, where you can throw some of your hard-earned dollars our way. For a couple of bucks a month, we will give you a shout-out. Um, you can also get our monthly newsletter or you can play our custom monthly trivia. So check it out and thank you so much much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. You also get episodes two days early, so Whoa. you can be on the the cusp of the zeitgeist That's of right. fandom. Much like Bond and his gadgets. Yeah. Do you see what I did there? Yeah. It's a reference to the current episode. <laughs> our theme song is by Yusu Kim, and our logo is by uh, John Blair. And now, our micro fandoms for the week. Kaya, what are you fanning out about? Well, since we're talking action movies, I gotta talk about Triple uh, uh, R. I can't with this movie! RRR, which is on ah! Netflix, and I can't even say much about it because I don't want to mess it up for you. All I will say is it was advertised to me as being a pretty ridiculous action movie. It's a Tollywood film, which is a South Indian uh, action movie. And Tollywood and Bollywood, I believe, are uh, co went at this movie. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Um, it is, it the best way I've seen it put, uh, trying not to ruin anything, is it packs so much movie into one movie that it's like eight movies. It's anime. It is it live is, action anime scale. But it is like, 
having recently seen Everywhere, every, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I also loved, this is one of the most fun movies I've seen in years and years and yeah. years. Um, so would highly, highly recommend checking that out. It is very long. It is three hours, but you can kind of watch it in two parts as yes. well if you need to do that. But it is worth it. Absolutely. Please oh check my goodness. it out. Please check it out. Let us know. Talk to us. Also, <laughs> uh, the fans of uh, Tollywood stuff on Twitter are so excited to talk to you about this. Like, I, I did a hashtag triple uh, R on one post, and, like, I've never seen so much engagement wow. on Twitter yeah, as the intense. fans of this. Um, I also look up Ram Sharan as the potential uh, new Bond because I think that would be so cool. Uh, my microfan of the week, I am several years behind uh, on Netflix, I'm sure. Uh, I tend to not be on the cusp of what's hot and fresh, so sorry for this old take, everyone. But have you seen Heartstopper? It's so <laughs> cute. Oh my gosh, I finally watched it, and it just, it gave my heart such a hug. It made me feel so happy, and like, it's so nice to see queer representation that isn't deeply traumatic all the time. It's just, everyone in it is queer, and it's beautiful, and it's just so nice to see them just be teenagers who have crushes and navigating that stuff without it being like, and also, this person's getting gay-bashed every day, and also their parents hate them, and also, also, also. So, Heartstopper, if you haven't watched it, watch it, and if you have... Come talk to me about it. I, I'd love it. I highly recommend watching it while sitting beside Steph because her, <laughs> her eyes twinkled anime style. Oh it was God. wild. It was so nice. Oh, I'm getting weepy thinking about it. <laughs> All right, Andrew, what are you um, fanning up about this week? Um, I'm going to just lower the tone here. I have uh, been watching <laughs> the second season of F Boy Island. Um, oh. It's my favorite. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I'm yes. going to get in on that. I got to get in. Uh, Tell us more, please. F Boy Island, for those who don't know, is a sort of reality dating show where um, a bunch of men are put on an island with three women who are going to choose a, a boy to to have a relationship with out of these men, but half of the men are F-boys. Um, you can determine what that means for yourself. They wouldn't use the whole word. It's too vulgar. It's fuck. Uh, it's fuck. It, it, yeah, it's fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> half, half the boys are F-boys and half the boys are nice guys um, and... <laughs> It is a bit of a nice guys finish last kind of show because all the nice guys are like holding back and not not being too aggressive, and all the guys who are there for money, not love, uh, which is the F boys, are like aggressive and stupid and and picking fights with each other. Um, <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the host. No, it's gone. The, the host is amazing. Like she's a very funny stand up comic um, who who uh, is. Very like she puts the men in their place a lot, which I, I very much enjoy. Oh, bless. Um, but also like the men are, are dumb hot, so yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of into that too. You want some, uh, some good eye candy? Yeah, we don't hate it. It's a trash show. It's on HBO Max or Crave here in Canada. Look, we all need trash from time mm -hmm. to time. Mm -hmm. I love trash shows. Absolutely. We watched The Ultimatum a while back, and I hated I every second. I watched every <laughs> single episode, would watch another season. We've Apparently they're doing the a circle. queer season, and I will watch it. Uh, too Hot to Handle, watch some of that. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah, turn your brain off, friends. Yeah. It's nice sometimes. Take a break. Um, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you, uh, and is there anything you want to plug? 
You can find me on Twitter at Wheeler. Uh, that's probably the best place to keep up with me because it's the social media I remember to update. <laughs> um, Relatable. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's where you'll find out about my upcoming projects. Uh, currently, I have a book out with Comicsology Originals called Love and War, which is a queer sports rom-com. Very Heartstopper vibes. Um, so, yeah, that's with art by Killian Eng and Guillermo Savidra, and the collected edition is actually coming out in September from Dark Horse Comics Neat. in print. And then I have an image comic series. The first issue is out. The second issue is about to come out uh, called Sins of the Black Flamingo with art by Travis Moore and uh, colors by Tamara Bongolan. Uh, and that is a queer occult noir series. It is very sexy. Travis draws the prettiest people oh my God. in the world. I'm sold. Um, and it's very queer. Uh, so, yeah, please check that out. Sins of the Black Flamingo from Image Comics. You had me at very queer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In. Um, well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us today. Um, and uh, till next time, love what you love and tell everyone about it. Bye. Bye. The Phantom Show. The Fandom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.